The Seahawks made two more signings on Thursday to boost depth along the offensive line and at quarterback. Dallas and I break it down and where the Seahawks stand at some key positions, all coming up on Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Nick Lee, your host for today. I am basically the substitute teacher as Corbin is on the mend uh, from his surgery. Best wishes to him. Get well soon, man. Uh, we're thinking about you. And uh, in the meantime, it's me. It's the me and Dallas show here. Dallas and I. And happy March Madness to those. Happy March Madness opening round to those who all who celebrate. Um, but here, it's all about football. Uh, we're going to break down two of the mo- of the most recent signings by the Seahawks as well as look at some situation, the situation at some key positions and where did the Seahawks swing and miss in free agency and what positions are still a big need heading into the draft. All that coming soon. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks signed two more players in free agency. One is certainly a familiar face, more of a re-signing in backup quarterback Drew Locke, bringing him back for his second season. And the other is former Detroit Lions guard and center Evan Brown. Now, Dallas, let's talk first w- about Evan Brown. He's he's the splashier, newer, shinier option here. Um, we still don't know the contract details quite yet. Um, I'm, we're we knowing our luck. We'll probably get it during the show. Um, in, in anyway, so what was your initial reaction, Dallas, to that signing, and, and what's kind of your analysis? This was a signing I was expecting the Seahawks actually to not be in the market for. I thought he would actually command too much money because of the success of the Detroit Lions offensive line. We know how talented they are, and he was a big part of their offensive line success this past two seasons. He brings positional versatility, which is probably the biggest thing for Pete Carroll along the offensive line. He can play guard. He can play center. He was better at center in, I think, 2021 when he replaced, I think it was Ragnall. And then he um, has the ninth greatest – or the – ninth best pass block win rate in the NFL. He was actually really good in pass protection along their offensive line and run blocking. He was graded 25th. So it was a little on the lower end of centers. Although the film actually, I would have to disagree with that. His athleticism actually shined and he showed consistent ability to get to the second level. And that's what the Seahawks need. They need a guy to open up lanes for Kenneth Walker. We saw how much times he got bogged up behind the line of scrimmage. They need a guy in the middle of the offensive line to be able to set up the running lanes for him. And, and you mentioned, uh, I want to give credit to Seahawk nerd on Twitter for this. That's how I found this out of, yeah, he was the ninth uh, center for pass block win rate in 2021. So that, that's certainly something to build on. And, um, and John Schneider did confirm and he said, quote, uh, he told uh, Seattle Sports, ideally he's a center. He can play both, but he's truly a center. So it sounds like the Seahawks very much view him as the center for 2023, um, at least in that competition. Um, yeah, he was arguably a, a top 15 center in 2021 uh, when he had to step in and defer the injury. And um, he was 15th in pass block grade and he was 36th in run blocking. So he he seems to be a better, a little bit better of a pass blocker. Now, last year, I know he it was a bit different, you know, stepping in at, at center guard, and um, he he was he was asked to do a little bit different things with the Lions last year. He was actually 29th amongst amongst interior linemen 
last year in run block grade. When you think about, you know, that's that involves three different positions. That's not too bad when there's probably 90 something of those in the NFL. Um, he's actually 151st in pass block rating uh, in, in pro football focus. Now he'll be asked to be the center probably in Seattle. So maybe he's in a bit better position to, uh, to succeed at center with the Seahawks, but certainly he's not, you know, let's not kid ourselves, probably not a pro bowl level, but you know, he's still young, not even 27 years old. Um, and a lot of his, the, his missteps, let's say uh, with the Lions, was at guard at center. He did, um, he did play much better. So now the question is, do the Seahawks view him as the 2023 center? And are they kind of wiping their hands like, all right, let's roll with Evan Brown at center. Or Dallas, do you think that maybe the, does this rule out them taking a center in the draft? Do you think this absolutely does not rule them out for taking a center in the draft, even in early rounds? But what this does offer John Schneider and company, it, it offers them a lot of flexibility in what they're able to do. Now that you don't have a glaring need along the offensive line, you re-signed Phil Haynes this earlier in the offseason. You now got Evan Brown. There's no glaring need. You can go into the draft just drafting best player available, and that's what the Seahawks need to do. Although Evan Brown, as you said, did excel much better at center than guard. And I think a lot of that was due to the pass protection. He did struggle more at guard because a lot more one-on-ones with faster players. He got speed three techs to go against. But when he was at center, a lot of nose tackles, they had trouble getting pocket, even pushing the pocket against him. He has a really strong anchor. So I would not be surprised if the Seahawks roll with Evan Brown for their center in 2023. And you bring up flexibility. I kind of view this much like the Geno Smith deal at quarterback where, yeah, I mean, if you want to roll with him at, at quarterback in 2023, let's ride. I, I think he, he did really well there, and I, I believe in Geno. But that doesn't take the Seahawks out of the quarterback sweepstakes at all either. Um, just how the deal set up. And now, again, we don't know the deal details yet in Evan Brown, but I, I do think that flexibility does like, okay, you know, if they bring in a, a John Michael Schmitz or Joe Tipman or something like that, um, yeah, you know, line them up with Evan Brown, may the best man win at, at center. And if it is the rookie, well, guess what? Evan Brown's probably at worst your second best guard at that point. So there, there's some depth and flexibility there for sure. So I, I do like that. Um, I, I, I'm a little annoyed that if they do roll with Evan Brown and don't even address the center position in the draft, I'm just getting really tired of the the stopgap, plug-and-play, average guy at center. Um, I've been pounding the table ever since Justin Britt got hurt and and the Seahawks and Britt parted ways that the Seahawks need a bona fide junkyard dog at center, just a, a leader, an alpha and I'm not saying Evan Brown can't be that, and he's young enough to you know develop into that. But just what we've seen so far, he's not quite at that level at center, even though he, yes, is a much better center than guard at, at this point. Um, my grandpa used to say, if you say something's good enough, it's neither. It's neither good nor enough. And I think Evan Brown at this point is good enough at center. But with where the Seahawks want to go, I'm not sure that's, that's either. I'm not sure it's good or enough. Um, so what I hope happens is they do draft um, a center and uh, give them some stiff competition. And if, if if they want to develop that center under Brown for a year, because as far as I can tell, it's a one-year deal, fine. That's that that's perfectly fine. Then that's depth at center, and then something happens. You know, you can slide the rookie in. Um, so I do like the flexibility. And so I, I think we can both agree. You know, it's a little bit of a wait and see. He's definitely the center. If the season started tomorrow, he's the starting center. I think that that's pretty clear. But we, the draft can certainly dictate different things. Now let's move over to the quarterback position. Drew Locke, 
Um, the fact that they brought him back wasn't really that surprising to me, especially with some of the other uh, movement in the quarterback market. What surprised me was the number that they've been kind of throwing around. So according to Mike Garofalo, it's, um, he says the Seahawks have agreed to terms with quarterback Drew Locke on a one-year deal worth $4 million base with incentives that take it up to $7.5 million. And for a guy who's who's projected to be Geno Smith's backup this year, um, that I don't know that that's that's right around what Baker Mayfield got with the Bucks as far as real cap numbers. Um, where do you stand on the Drew Lock deal? I think he's a highly talented backup in this league. Comparing directly to other backups in terms of raw talent, Drew Lock is in the upper echelon of backups in the league. For Seattle, he's coming back. You're returning him to the same scheme. And this was a scheme very similar to the, his rookie year in Denver. He Maybe he's showing improvements along in practice, much like how Geno Smith did underneath Russell Wilson. And Pete might just be thinking, if something does happen where Geno's not able to start a couple games, Drew Lott could be a high-quality backup where you might miss a couple beats here and there, but it's not the end of the world, and it's a really good floor to have. Yeah, maybe we'll finally get that true uh, Drew Locke versus Geno Smith in the preseason that we didn't quite get last year, unfortunately. At least, uh, you know, things uh, broke an unfortunate way for Drew Locke. But, um, and, and I don't think it's going to be, you know, a 1A, 1B, mono e mono thing like it was last year. I think Geno Smith very, very much is the, the assumed starter. Um, what, what has me wondering is if what happens to this deal, where, you know, where are some details if the Seahawks do draft a high caliber rookie, um, do they cut? Drew Locke. Is this kind of one of those deals where they can kind of wipe their hands clean at, after camp and, and say, you know, thanks, but no thanks, or, you know, thanks for, thanks for your contributions. But I think we're good with Geno Smith and the rookie, but um, it's still yet to be seen. Um, yeah. Cause I, I was looking at some numbers too, and guys like Sam Darnold, Case Keenum, Andy Dalton all got, you know, lesser of a cap hit uh, according to spot track than, uh, than uh, what uh, Drew Locke got. And you, you did, you did uh, mention something that I, I agree with is that he is one of the, of if you just line up all the backup quarterbacks, um, Drew Locke certainly has the most, uh, not the most, he, he certainly is up there in the upper percentile for athleticism and upside. Um, if you had to throw him in there for, for a game, it, it's, he's certainly not the most polished product. If he was, he'd probably be starting somewhere, probably would have gotten, you know, a sweeter deal to go be QB one somewhere else. Um, but I think there's mutual, there's a mutual respect and a mutual, you know, I think they're amicable. I think there's a good pair. I think that it sounds like Drew Locke did enjoy his time last year in Seattle, even though he didn't, you know, he didn't get to be the man in Seattle. Um, got to got to see Geno Smith's rise to 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 fame, and and he was very complimentary of Geno. It seems like they get along, so I think it's a good situation. And and if it's a situation also where they can maybe part ways um, with with Drew Locke if they do take, I don't know, a, you know, a, a C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, or Will Levis or something like that. Um, that, that remains to be seen, of course. When we come back, Dallas and I are going to do a brief recap into the initial wave of free agency. Which signings do we like best for the Seahawks? And who is a player, perhaps, that we feel the Seahawks missed out on that signed elsewhere? And all that more and more coming up on Locked on Seahawks. We're past the midway point in the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel, app, FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. I'm a big fan of betting on player props, including FanDuel's 
player parlay builder. For example, you can bet on Christian Wood to score 20 points at plus 195. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Welcome back to Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Nick Lee, for the day, filling in for Corbin Smith, who is on the mend recovering from surgery. Again, we wish best wishes to Corbin on his road to recovery. Hopefully it's a speedy one. You know, it's that you can't throw those 95-mile-an-hour fastballs anymore, man. Sorry about that. <laughs> but here um, in, in his place is, is uh, myself and Dallas, and Dallas does a great job as well. Dallas, let's talk about free agency again. <laughs> um, that is the flavor of the week, of the month so, so far in March. And let's break down our thoughts on the initial wave of the Seattle Seahawks free agent class. Now, we, we kind of noticed that the free agency does come in waves. There's that initial surge that the Seahawks usually don't take part in where money's just flying all over the place on, on Twitter and, you know, and deals here, here and there. Um, and Seahawks rarely, rarely take part of that, uh, in, in that, in that frenzy. Then, you know, the, then there's kind of the, the plan B's and C's, and then you start doing visits, you know, guys that haven't found a home after a week or so. Um, and then, then kind of like the scrap heap guys after that. So right now, I think this is kind of the end of the first initial wave of guys. And so as of now, not counting uh, re-signings like Drew Locke, the Seahawks have brought in, Draymond Jones, Jaron Reed, and Evan Brown, who we just talked about. So, Dallas, I want to uh, give us your your biggest, your favorite of those signings, or big hit of free agency so far, and maybe a player who signed elsewhere that you think the Seahawks swung and missed on. For our biggest hit, I think every Seattle fan knows who I'm going to talk about. Draymond Jones from the Broncos. Pete Carroll, at the end of the season, as I've always brought up on here, was huge, clamoring for they need pass rushers. They need defensive line help, especially going against the vaunted 49ers defensive line. And boy, does Draymond Jones help out a lot in that department. He's a pure disruptor. You don't really want him to have to take on double teams and really run stop truly as an interior defender. But if he's allowed one-on-one, -on -one, man, he can do some great things. He has excellent get off, which allows him to primarily win with finesse. He's only 281 pounds, which is a little lighter for the defensive tackle spot. Although he's mostly going to be playing three tech, which is where that excellent get off is used. But then where it comes to play is he also has the strength. He's known for his long arm bull rush. And it's a big thing for Seattle. They need a pocket pusher in the middle. They need somebody to get there in the middle to allow guys like Daryl Taylor, Uchenna Nuosu off the edge a lot more time to be able to get to the pass. So therefore, Draymond Jones has to be my biggest signing of them. He was fifth in pass rush win rate, win rate, excuse me, along the interior defensive lines just this past season. The Broncos had a top tier interior defensive lineman and the Seahawks snagged him up and it was a great signing by them. Although for the biggest miss, I was a little upset to see linebacker Aziz Alshair of the 49ers gone. And he didn't come to the Seahawks. He went to the Titans, I'm pretty sure. Um, excuse me. I think it was the Titans on a one-year, I think $6 million deal. And that isn't too much of a cap hit. I think that the Seahawks would have, they would have been really well to at least throw some money at him and, hey, give him the starting spot and say, hey, lead our defense. We need somebody to come in and replace. We have Jordan Brooks injured. Cody Barton just left the commanders. 
the linebacker is a huge position of need for the Seahawks. And Alshair, we saw how much run defense, like how much run run defense was a struggle this past year for the Seahawks. Alshair, as we've played against the 49ers, the Seahawks have played against the 49ers. All Seahawks fans have watched Alshair excel against the run. So that's easy. That's an easy fit for Seattle, and he would fit perfectly in their defense. I also think he's a first-team all-name. I think and that's just a great name as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm going to go, uh, so as far as my hit, just for an interest, of course, Draymond Jones, I think, is is the shiny new toy in town, for sure, and and, and he should be. He's a fine, fine interior defensive lineman. I'm going to go along the defensive line as well, um, but a bit of a familiar face, and Jaron Reed. Um, and he's certainly not as, as shiny and sexy as Draymond Jones is, um, but uh, he's a familiar face who's had the, the best years of his career in Seattle, 10 and a half sacks in 2018, um, it, which, you know, it's nothing to sneeze at, of course. And if you look at his numbers with, uh, with Green Bay last year and plug those numbers into the 2022 Seahawks, he's actually their best interior. That would, that would be their best interior lineman as far as pass rush um, and pressures go. So, um, he's still got it from the inside, and yeah, I think the defensive scheme for the Seahawks puts him in, in the right uh, the right uh, situation to succeed. Um, he can line up at nose, he can go three tech or over tackle. Him and Draymond Jones, I think, can be a really really nice pair in in the interior line. So uh, for Jaron Reed, uh, we don't know all the details of his deal yet. Um, I don't imagine it's you know breaking the bank or anything. Um, he had a borderline Pro Bowl year, I think, a Pro Bowl snub year in 2018, and in 2020 he had some he had some good grades as well and when he was kind of been moved around a bit more. Um, so Jaron Reed's my, my, my one. It's just because I think we entered this offseason all agreeing that the interior defensive line really, really needed a reshuffle. And the fact that they, they flipped basically from Quentin Jefferson, we wish him well, by the way, um, to and Puna Ford to Draymond Jones and Jaron Reed, you could do a lot worse than those two for sure as far as, uh, as changing those out. So Jaron Reed's mine. My biggest miss, I might get some eye rolls here or some, but, but, but uh, the money is uh, Tremont, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, the, the linebacker. And so we're both going linebacker here. I, I know I know the money is, is, is big. Uh, he is, as of now, I believe he still has the largest free agent uh, signing by a defensive player so far in this offseason, if I'm not mistaken. Four years, $72 million. Um, It might be one of the larger ones from a non-quarterback, I, I believe. He, and you know what? He deserves it. I think the Seahawks missed out on creating one of the best young linebacker duos in all of football in Jordan Brooks when he does return, and Edmonds, if they were able to sign Edmonds for you know, four or five years or so. Edmonds has 565 career tackles and is only 24 years old. He's younger than Jordan Brooks. I mean, it just blows my mind. And that would have been an incredible duo at linebacker. And, you know, the, Edmonds is a two-time pro bowler. That could have been, you know, your linebacker duo for the next eight, eight nine, ten years. I get the price point was a concern. But man, that would have been fun. And really talk about shoring up your, your run defense when you talk about the guys that they've signed. I know they probably couldn't have done Draymond Jones and Draymond Edmonds, but um, they're just you want to boost the run defense. And I think Edmonds would have been a big move in that direction. And just the linebacker duo, man, you read like, oh, top linebacker duos, on, on, rank them in the NFL. I don't know how you put them outside of the top three or five if you if you do that. So that's that's wishful thinking now. It's over and done with. Best of luck to him in Chicago. Um, it would have filled a huge need, but, uh, it, 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 I'm not saying the Seahawks, you know, made a huge mistake by not paying all this money to trim on Tremaine Edmonds, but I, I was just thinking, you know, that would have been really fun to, to have that duo. Anyway, when we return, Dallas and I will reevaluate the draft needs of the Seahawks, given the free agent signings and where are they most vulnerable? What positions do they need to upgrade the most 
up ahead in the draft. We give our top three positional needs coming up. And welcome back to Locked On Seahawks. I am Nick Lee, your substitute teacher, as it were, today. Uh, get well soon, Corbin, again, and, and I'm here with Dallas. So, Dallas, let's take a step back here and reevaluate the Seahawks situation at their greatest positions of need. So we will each give our top three most dire positional needs heading into the draft. Now, we're probably going to assume, you know, they might make one or two more signings. Bobby Wagner's still out there, and that might change this conversation based on, you know, we both chose linebackers, <laughs> and we might also talk linebackers, I imagine, here in this segment. But if, you know, they bring in Bobby Wagner, we'll see. Um, but heading into the draft, let's pretend like they don't make another move. Um, you know, let, let's let's plug in the guys that we that the Seahawks got in free agency. So let's start with you, Dallas. What is your uh, top of mind first position of need heading to the draft now? Well, let's like bring on. We just talked about linebackers, so let's just do it again. And I'm gonna hit the nail on the head, just like you did. Linebacker is a huge position of need, and as everyone knows, it's probably their biggest position of need. You lose Cody Barton. Jordan Brooks is recovering from ACL surgery. You don't know who's going to be your starting linebackers next year. And in the draft, linebacker is actually a fairly thin position this year, which is very scary, honestly. That have like Campbell, and there's not other, maybe Sim Sampson or Simpson, excuse me. And there's not much other first two round linebackers. Henley, but he's a little late, so he might be falling to like the third round. So linebacker is a very scary position to have a need for in the draft, but it is one for the Seahawks. What about you, Nick? What is your first need for the Seahawks? Well, I'm going to go right there with you. I think number one is linebacker. I just think Jordan Brooks, um, first of all, he's not going to be playing for, for a good chunk of the season. And and even if when he does return, you know, just the departures that like you mentioned earlier with Cody Barton leaving, um, they don't have a ton. I believe the, 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 the uh, on-ball linebackers on the roster – are Jordan Brooks, which I are for the foreseeable future. I believe it's Vi Jones and John Radigan. I think those are. I think that's about it, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm not great. Not great, Bob. Not great. Um, and if they, if they do bring back Bobby Wagner, maybe the, the you know the, the the blaring sirens do subside a little bit there. Um, but even then, you know, he's not going to last forever. And you want a guy that you can pair with Jordan Brooks for the next four or five years, which which would be uh, ideal. So you want a compadre for Brooks either way. And the, C the Seahawks stunk up the joint in the run defense uh, this past season. So you want to boost the run defense any way you can, like I mentioned uh, with Jermaine Edmonds. So uh, they were 20th in run stop win rate. Got to boost the run defense. And so the linebacker is a big need. You do make a great point. I think that there's some urgency in the draft as far as, you know, where do these linebackers come from? You, you mentioned a few, um, you know, Jack Campbell is one that yeah, like, like comes to mind. Um, other, other ones are a bit more like, you know, pass rushy kind of linebackers. They're not quite, you know, those typical uh, traditional off ball linebackers that the Seahawks might be looking for. So um, I'm not saying, you know, the, they need to, you know, draft a linebacker first round that, that they, they need to pair, but certainly it's, so th again, this is not like who we should, who we think they should take first. It's just the, the, uh, the direness of each situation. So linebacker, I think we agree is pretty dire. My, my second one is, uh, so <clears throat> the signing of Evan Brown moved my center position from the number one need to the number two need. <laughs> um, it, it, it's still up there. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't believe in Evan Brown. Um, I, I just, if it's a one-year deal, uh, obviously that gives them some flexibility to draft a center of the future. John Michael Schmitz, um, if you're listening, I really hope the Seahawks take you. Um, the, <laughs> he's been my draft crush all, all draft pretty much. And, Honestly, it doesn't that that signing doesn't really move the needle for me a ton as far as 
the need at center in the draft. It, it's still an absolute need. They draft John Michael Schmitz or, or you know, like, yeah, I said, Joe Tippman. You slide uh, Brown over to guard, and that's not the worst interior line you, in the history of the NFL for sure. Again, I know that Brown was a much better center. Uh, make him earn it. You know, if if if, uh, if Brown beats him out, then maybe you you have a developmental center for a year. Um, but center is absolutely a need. I am really, really tired of stopgap centers. I think the Seahawks need a – I mean, we just watched two fantastic all-world centers in the Super Bowl in uh, Creed Humphrey and, 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 and Jason Kelsey. And not that not saying, you know, they're they're taking the team on their back, but you see the importance of of a true like spearhead alpha center. Um, so I really, really want the Seahawks to take a center in the draft. Um, I'm not saying they have to you know sell a farm for one, especially now that Evan Brown does give you a little breathing room, but not a ton. Honestly, I really still think that's a huge need. You want, you know, especially if you're going to draft a young quarterback, you want a, a an established, you know, prove, you know, franchise cornerstone type center snapping the ball to him. That's a great, uh, you know, pair to, to build a uh, football franchise around. So, uh, Dallas, what is your number two need? I do see where you're coming from with the center position, and Seattle does need to stop with the stopgap centers in the future. But I have to say, I think Evan Brown does give them the needed flexibility to be able to focus on another need, which is something again I'm going to talk about, like as I did in the earlier in the video, a pass rusher. They signed Draymond Jones, which is the first step into getting a pass rusher. And the reason I labeled this pass rusher and not edge or interior defensive lineman is because it really, I don't care where it comes from. Get somebody who can get to the quarterback. Let the scheme take care of the run defense. You're going to play more bare fronts, have a lot more guys along the line of scrimmage, allows for more one-on-ones. I don't think the Seahawks truly need to draft a guy like Siaki Ika, although it would highly help their run defense. I think you focus on the run defense by just adding more bodies along the line of scrimmage, and then you draft pass rushers. Draft pass rushers wherever you can get them. Guys like Nolan Smith, you guys, Lucas Van Ness. Heck, Tyree Wilson might be the pick at number five. And yes, although Jalen Carter is might be off the Seahawks draft board, I cannot imagine if they did trade back to around maybe pick eight, right before the Bears, they secured another first round pick. If Jalen Carter is still on the board at number eight, I would be hard pressed to think that Seattle would pass on that talent. Jalen Carter, strictly on the field when you're watching the film, is the best player in this draft. He's it. I don't think it's fairly close. Yeah, if you uh, if you listen, if if we could go, me is listening to the show, not knowing what went on, and I, I've gone through two positions and haven't mentioned interior defensive line or Jalen Carter. I'd be strangling week week ahead me. Um, but given that what's happened in the last week with Jalen Carter, like you mentioned, and the Seahawks signing Draymond Jones and Jaron Reed, things have changed. Because um, I've been pounding the table pretty hard that after center or right around center is interior defensive line. Um, but Draymond Jones and Jaron Reed certainly at least alleviate some of that pressure. But on the pass rusher side of things, I think I, I agree with you there. Um, that need is definitely there. So, yeah, Jalen Carter, that situation is uh, ever evolving. And, and it's unfortunate because, you know, um, all you have to do is kind of not be a knucklehead and you're, you know, a top five pick millionaire. But uh, that's a conversation for another day. Um, for my number three, my, my last position of need here. Um, so Ken Walker III is kind of like John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. You know, that gif, like, you know, looking around, like, where is there, where'd everybody go? It's, um, because it's pretty much him. And then, yeah, DJ Dallas in that room 
um, with when, with any sort of significant NFL experience. You know, Rashad Penny, we wish him the best luck in Philadelphia. Um, that's going to be a fun duo, I think, to watch on the side with him and Jalen Hurts and uh, whoever they, else they bring in. But really, it's it, you got to have some depth at running back. We, we've seen over and over again, even with with uh, Ken Walker, he he started the year with an injury. He kind of came on slow a little bit. Then obviously he had a really really great season and, and borderline offensive rookie of the year. Um, I, I I really think they got to boost the depth there. I don't think they need to you know make it a second or third round or first or second round pick at running back. Um, but I've noticed in in some of the mock drafts I do right around like the late sixties seventies range there are some fine running backs um in, in that slot a lot of guys that are can can be valuable in third downs catching the ball out of the backfield i know dj dallas did provide some some value there well so i don't want to totally disregard dj dallas um but you definitely need some more depth at running back so i think running back actually is my number three need at this point what about you i would have to say that i agree with that that running back is a big need but for me my third one would have to be a third pass catcher Seahawks fans, we've been watching. Besides DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, how much times during a game can we truly count on a third person to be able to step up and get 50 yards, 75 yards? You, you have, we have, Seahawks haven't have that guy recently. A third pass catcher is much needed in this offense. And Geno Smith likes to spread the ball around. Yes, he's willing to throw into tight windows, which is why – I labeled this pass catcher, not specifically receiver. Tight end could be a first round pick for Seattle. Mayor at 20, it's I'm getting the feeling that it's more and more likely as the closer we're getting the draft. Because Geno Smith excels at hitting the middle of the field, and he's done that over the course of his career. He's willing to throw into these tight windows, and you need a guy to be able to make those contested catches who is able to be a willing presence over the middle of the field. A couple years ago, and Yes, Nick, this is going to hurt. I'm going to bring up Dwayne Eskridge, which happened to be a pick right after Creed Humphrey. But Seattle tried. They tried to get a third pass catcher in the form of a shiftier slot receiver, more of a gadget type of player that you can use on jet sweeps and sort of. But I think it's another style that they need, that guy who can dominate the middle of the field and truly give space for Lockett and Metcalf to just win on the boundary on the outside. Yeah, and I, I can't I can't disagree with that. With you know the center of the field, you know you, you got you, Geno Smith is really good at hitting those spots, and you, you want a guy that is reliable, a blue chip kind of guy. And whether that is a tight end, a slot receiver, another wide receiver in there, because it's very clear. That I think the Seahawks for a while have really searched far and wide for a, a third receiver to be reliable. And unfortunately, Dwayne Eskridge is starting to turn a little bit into a receiver version of CJ Prozice, where there's so much potential. There's so much talent and speed and athletic traits, but he just can't stay on the field. And, you know, the best of it, but the best ability is availability, and he has not been available. And the Seahawks very well could, uh, you know, look elsewhere in the draft for that. So I, I can't I can't disagree with that at all. Dallas, thanks. So thanks for listening, everybody. You can follow me at NickLee51. You can follow Dallas at Dallas C. Cooper on Twitter. And once again, thanks. We're going to be back at it here tomorrow. Uh, who knows, maybe some more news for the Seahawks. It is an ever-evolving situation here, as you know, um, in mid-March. And enjoy you know, the, the bracket madness as well. And, and until next time, go Hawks.